0: Okay, hello and welcome again to the GigCX Decoded podcast, where we dive into the world of gig based customer service or GigCX. Um, the podcast is brought to you by none other than Limitless, uh, it, which is the world's leading GigCX platform. And I can say that because I'm your host, Chris Dumpleton. I'm the Chief Sales Officer here at the Good Ship Limitless. And on this podcast, we are going to explore the world of GigCX, which for those of you that have been living under a rock for the last two years, is what we use to determine the concept of routing customer inquiries, digital customer inquiries to crowds um, of customers who can resolve these questions. Now these and these people are typically made up of brands own customers. so we're connecting customers with customers and that's what we call GigCX. And today uh, I'm joined by Nick Clark, partner at Boston Consulting Group. Uh, Nick helps brands transform customer service who brings loads of experience in operations you know, the 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 knowledge that Nick has got is going to be really informative on this show uh, we're glad to have you here Nick I'd love to have you thanks chris yeah great to be here um, yeah and thanks everyone for listening so this podcast is all about the annual report that limitless produces which covers off a you know a breadth of uh, in- information around gig we hear from experts industry leaders people that are using gig and nick was very kind enough to contribute to that report um which is the the third one that we've done and it looks into the current state and the views of GIG6 and the global industry, um, it's a most engrossing epistle, there I'll be so bold, and it's on the website, if you go to limitlesstech.com, you can download it and, um, and get into all the detail there, but today we're going to get Nick's perspective on that and hopefully a bit more of a conversation about the topics that we um, that you covered off in all of that. So, before we do that, it's probably obligatory that um, our, li- our listeners get an understanding of you and, and what you do at Boston Consulting Group, Nick.
1: Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, so, give a very brief intro. I have spent my entire 20 year career working in customer service. Um, and I actually started out on the phones. So I was a. Uh, I worked in the complaints department of a water company. The first bit of feedback I had from my uh, supervisor was that I, I was good at handling customers because she said I sounded like a game show host. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm still never sure if that was really a compliment or, or, or what, but but it, it served me well at the time. Um, and then I spent I from from that pretty. Inauspicious start. I I I worked my way up through a few organisations and then spent roughly fifteen years, you know, leading customer service teams um, in industry, mostly in telecoms companies, um, mm-hmm. and then latterly kind of leading transformation programmes within within those companies as well. And that's what got me into contact with consulting. And I thought, well, that's that's great. You get to do all the change and the, you know see the the latest things and work on the latest things. And so for the past five years. I've been doing that at, at Boston Consulting Group, um, and people may 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 or not have heard of us. We're perhaps most well known as a as a kind of strategy consulting firm, so advising you know C level executives on, uh, on 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 big business decisions. But increasingly, we do a lot more work in operations, um, mm. and particularly that I focus on, which is customer service, customer experience, um, and yet yeah, we help we help I help um, companies across the world, transform their customer service, um, thinking quite holistically, so covering you know technology, AI, automation, those sorts of things, but also a lot of the human side, so operating mm. models and, and ways of working with, within organizations. And I suppose that's one of the reasons Gig is really interesting because it is the intersection of both the technology and, and the people to create uh, something that's quite new in this space.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Well, tell me a bit more about your, uh, your first ever job on the phones in. So you were handling complaints for a water company. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think it, it got me to realize from an early age, a very important lesson in customer service, which is the role, customer service really sits at the it's it's the backstop for sort of everything that goes on in an organization. So anything that wasn't that went wrong. Or anything within their processes, anywhere across that organisation that wasn't working as it should, would end up in customer service and ultimately would end up in complaints. So most of the time, it, it was mostly people complaining because uh, you know a technician had dug up their expensive brickwork driveway in order to install a water meter. Right. Um, but but I think and, and that's why you know the, I don't know the the charming game show voice would help sometimes, and people have got a bill of, you know hundred quid to get that <laughs> fixed. I think what, what I learned was, you know, often customer service is often relied upon to solve things that should probably have been solved much, you know, earlier on in in, in an opera, in, in, a, in a business's operations mm. and how it runs and its propositions to its to its um, customers. And so that just started out a fascination for well, you know, there, there's there's different and better ways to do this. And you know, we, we we can build better models to make things work better for customers and better for employees.
0: There we go. I mean my um my first ever job was also in a was in a contact centre. It, it's point. funny how, you know, not too probably not too dissimilar time on we've both moved on and we end up still in the same sort of industry, but obviously coming in it from a a very different mm. angle. And back in those days it was only voice. There wasn't any other channels yes. kicking around at yeah. that time. Yeah. And uh, I think even IVRs are pretty basic. So it was just a big funnel of every anything that came in. So you had to be trained on Pretty much how to handle anything that, that that arrived at your door. So having your having your charming game show host, uh, you know, accent has been able to, to be able to help people navigate and and solve it. Must have uh, paid you dividends. It,
1: it was it, it was I it was a great experience actually. I'm <laughs> certainly looking back on it now, but I think I mean you must find it as well. I think it's always it's helpful to have actually done the job on the front line because then you do understand. Sometimes you know the pressures that people are under when they're doing a job like that. You know, often you're, you know, you, you can't predict what your workload is going to be like. Today. Mm. You don't know what the next call is going to be like. Is it going to be an easy one? Is it going to be a real challenge? You're being measured, you know, on a big scorecard of of dozen different things. And I guess if you were in a in a sales role, I don't know, where you you know you you you've got some pretty stringent targets there that you have to hit. So you know, it's yeah. really it's useful to be able to to empathize with people who are in those sorts of roles when you're thinking about well how do we make you know changing making quite radical changes sometimes to to how, how they're going to be working.
0: Well I didn't tee you up for that but you've touched on something that's probably one of the biggest benefits of gig CX if we segue into that more specifically which is around empathy, right? So when you say it helps us in this industry, because we've been in now in that position, what GigCX is doing is is connecting people with who've got questions with people that have got answers who are typically people that are customers, they've been in those shoes, so they can empathize straight away. And and that that, that bears a completely different relationship. And I struggle to find anybody that would just say, and if you ask them the you know the million dollar question, would you rather talk to somebody who you know has got your products and service, or would you rather not? Uh, you know, it stands to reason most people are going to say, "Well, yes, I'd like to." And, and if you then ask the second question, which is why, which is because they probably understand more about what I've got and what you and, and the potentially even the problems that that may have occurred with it, so they can empathize. And a- empathy seems to be this sort of ethereal, mythical metric. It's very hard to objectively go. There's the dial. It's not an MPS. It's not an exp- you know. How would, how do you quantify it? How do you help organizations to sort of realize why that's important? Well,
1: I think empathy is incredibly important at the moment. I think, well, empathy and, and trust, which is perhaps, you know, an extension of that. Trust, I think, yep. is even more abstract. Like, that's a really hard thing mm. to measure, certainly in the short term. Um, but where we see that empathy comes in as, as being really important, I say, especially at the moment, because... Like one of the reason, one other reason that I really like working in customer service is that I, I believe that customer services is, is is often a reflection of what's going on in society as a whole. It's kind of it's where companies and organisations meet their customers in the real world, like no holds barred. Right. Um, and we're the world at the moment is is quite an uncertain place like a lot of customers have a lot of financial uncertainty which means mm-hmm. they, they need help maybe mm. which is beyond what they might might have done previously or in a, in a lot of industries people are experiencing that just things just don't work as well as they used to mm. before say the pandemic I mean travel is probably the best example of that I mean if mm. you, you try to fly over the summer you may have experienced that yep so yeah right so so Customers are in need of support that often goes beyond the kind of standard, predictable, scriptable solutions because it's kind of there's new things happening. But also there's that heightened sense of um, uh, or, or, or lack of certainty about uh, about. Mm-hmm. The, and, and that's where empathy em- empathy really comes into play. And so we are. See, I mean, in terms of how how that is measured, is that your question? You asked me was how, how, how Well, is- it was a,
0: it was a bit of an open question as to how how do you measure it, and what how would you you know how would you bring this conversation to an organisation to see to say how why it's important, and then how do you define and measure it? It's
1: important. It was important for those reasons that I, I I've just talked about. Um, I think it it's then what we what we really talk to companies about at the moment is thinking holistically about their customer service offering in mm. a way that allows things like empathy like responsiveness like work, we use words like compassion mm. to to be not just net to be nurtured and and grown with, with within that organization so, so often that means counterintuitively that's a kind of there's a technology component to that because we can use technology to better identify who a customer is predict what their need might mm. be or the, you know automate the kind of the the the, the basic processes that people would mm. otherwise spend time doing and what that, that that kind of gets all that stuff out of the way and automates that it, it 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 what it means is that the the agents the humans that are that are doing the work can spend more time being empathetic And are spending less time, you know, wrestling with typing, you know, typing the same information into three different boxes because there's three three different systems that you know are are not talking to each other. And so that they're really about sort of nurturing customer relationships rather than rather than you know just kind of carrying out a a predictable process.
0: So it's it's it's, not only is it identifying where compassion can play a role, but it's nurturing it, encouraging it, and and then you know that producing outcomes, which ultimately to do with, I mean, how would you would you measure it based upon things like you know retention or you know, lifetime value? Is that is that where it's sort of playing a role?
1: Yeah. So in the long term, really, it is about lifetime value.
0: Mm. Um,
1: in terms, and it depends on the industry, but it it might be you know particularly for a subscription business or, or, or yeah. this industry it might be it usually is going to be customer retention or customer value growth over time if it's in retail or something like that we'd be looking at you know repeat business from that customer and and thinking about yeah their, 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 their just general engagement with the brand mm. uh, obviously those things are quite hard to measure in the long term what we well uh, sorry they're quite hard to measure in the short term they they're really important to measure in the long term but often you don't see the results of those till till um, uh, you know often till it's till it's too late. Um we see in particular the 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 strongest correlation in terms of things you measure in the short term are reducing the level of effort a customer has to go to to get their problem solved. Right. The effort is in the form of time so you know basic stuff like what's the waiting time before you get through or how long do i once i'm through to somebody how long do i have to wait for them to actually answer my question before you know peeing mm-hmm. into the knowledge base or whatever. but it's also effort in terms of the kind of the emotional effort to get it to get a problem solved like how mm-hmm. hard it is to actually explain what it is that they need whether the person they're talking to or chatting with is you know actually res- responsive to that and so it's quite you know it's 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 subjective in terms of the customer's experience there, but there are specific things that you can measure on the the journey that that customer's gone through to 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 get a kind of understanding of how much effort they've had to go through to get to get their their, their problem resolved. Uh,
0: so, before we um, go further on. Back into that one, Nick, because I'm interested in your perspective on that one. I thought I'd ask the big open question, which is a good one to get the conversation flowing. Which is, you know, from your opinion, or even from Boston's opinion, really, which is, what what impact do you think the GIGCX is having on the on the customer service industry today?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's um, that's a that's a really good question. A big, <laughs> <open> question. <laughs> it is a big yeah, one. Thanks. So let, let me uh, let me let me give you a, a, a concise answer as much as possible. Um, of it, it is having a it's having a big impact, um, and I think the the best way that it's having a big impact is as part of a sort of portfolio of different ways that people are seeing to to, to serve customers that go beyond the, the the classic model of people working in a what was a call center, maybe a multi-channel contact center. Mm. So historically, people working quite siloed in in teams. Mm. Um, and and and, and it, you know calls getting transferred between lots of people all, all, all that kind of stuff, but ultimately frustration for customers. So I think gig where gig comes in is it is absolutely brilliant for access to expertise. Um, and so the being able to be quite targeted about speaking to say in particular say a product specialist or mm. a specialist on a particular process. Or somebody that the that, that you that that is that has uh, you know walked the walk and 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 can um, uh, can c- can talk from first hand experience about what they've mm. done because I, I think you mentioned at the beginning often the case is the 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 the, the person but the, the gig the gig worker is somebody who has yeah. is maybe a, pro- a customer of the product so it's access to expertise but it's access to expertise when you know typically in a in a contact center world you need to be thinking about scheduling those people mm. and having them working on shifts and having you know the the, the right number of, of of people and then then worrying about occupancy and and utilization and those sorts of things so it enables you to have expertise that might be sort of subscale if you were if you were trying to staff a full contact center but it's there for customers as well mm. um uh and and then there are kind of you know ways that 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 isn't necessarily limited to to servicing either it could be for retentions it could be for sales Mm. but you know collections i don't know you know all all of that sort of stuff but i think also it, it complements other models which are maybe not there for expertise but they might be there for um uh you know solving unusual you know there's different models in the contact center as well that we're seeing so for example teams working more collaboratively together um i have worked with an with an airline that, that has a, a, a core team of people quite a small team but they're they spend only 60 percent of their time handling customer queries they spend 40 percent mm. of their time working to improve the end-to-end customer journey they they interact with the digital team to, to build better apps for example mm. but that's like you know that's a different sort of skill that you'll bring or a different kind of model, but that complements the, the the gig model, which, you know, in that in that world would be more for, you know, selling tickets or, gui- you know, guiding people on great mm-hmm. holiday destinations to go to. That's that's a great use of gig in, in, in that sort of world. And I think, yeah, thought of as part of that kind of portfolio of different working models and different offerings to customers, it, it can become
0: really powerful. So the, the areas you, you touched on there, which I think are really, you know, you, and it's brilliant when we when we hear this from other people because it reinforces the sort of reason why we're here, but access to not just talent because talent's a broad spectrum of just you know the, more the generic workforce, but you know specific product expertise the The flexibility there is about I uh, think the second point you mentioned is about when yeah, as opposed to somebody working on a schedule where they're being asked to work in a certain way at a certain time because that's when we predict that the questions are going to come in. It's just the questions come in when the customers want to ask the questions. And availability is there in a very reasonable amount of time to give the answer when it's when it suits both parties. And everyone's, you know, cool with that. And, you know, that they're the sort of two biggest areas that we see that GIGCX becomes really really attractive outside of your traditional metrics around speed of answer and cost and those sorts of things is actually, well, we can find people that have got genuine knowledge because they've already chosen the brand in the first place. So, you know, de facto already some level down the road of understanding. But then secondly is the this move to digital uh, or asynchronous messaging. And, it, and I've mentioned this before on one of the other podcasts, but the... You know, for me, whenever I'm in need of an answer, if I'm not asking a company, if I if I want to ask something of anybody, my, my the first thing I do is I, I open WhatsApp. So, hmm. and I don't expect an instant answer, but I do expect an answer, and and it's fine for me to be in the middle of that conversation and me not to follow up, and then it, it ultimately gets answered. So we're we're conditioned as consumers and users, if you like, in our personal lives to work in this way, to pick up a phone, to use digital, to expect an answer when it comes through, and that's cool, but when you approach companies, they're often still shepherding you down these more real-time routes or, you know, voice or, you know, lots of gates along the way, and ultimately behind the scenes, that makes things incredibly difficult for an organization to scale. To get the talent, to make sure that they're there without burning them out, that constant sort of seesaw of cost versus CSAT challenge, and to give them, yeah, you know, give them the, the feedback there. So, I mean, you, I mean, you touched on some some, um, yeah, you know, amazing points and all of that. Um, what what do you think? What do you think's changed in the last year in the current sort of state of Gixier? because A lots moved on, but what do you think's been the, the sort of main the main movements there in the last year or so? Well, is it right? if I give you two answers. Yes,
1: am I allowed? will try. You right are sure. go for it. Because I'm going to do a slightly provocative one, and then I'll <laughs> then I'll, then I'll, and I'll do. Oh, interesting. Do a kind go of for advice. it. Yeah. So the provocative one, I think, is like what has changed in in gig the gig economy over the last mm. year, and I think what we've seen is that a lot of the kind of you know the the pioneering gig platforms, whether that's you know taxi services or food delivery, mm. they have you know, their business model has been really challenged in the last year, like they mm. you know, it, it really was based around, um, uh, you know, building a platform, often, you know, getting to kind of monopoly levels of market share. So completely disrupting an industry, often, you know, crashing the price, you know, the pricing in those industries in order to get in. But largely you know some of that is because they've got great technology but a lot of it is also because frankly a lot of venture capital money is, is in there help, helping that to go to work out and in a world that's sort of fine in a world where there's zero percent interest rates but in a world where we're, where we are now where there's you know supply constraints and there's uh, you know in, in inflationary pressures and those sorts of things that those kind of models are really challenged i think it's important to look at I think gig c x doesn't is isn't and doesn't have to suffer from those kinds of challenges. I think the mm. economics of it are a bit different. It doesn't have to become a platform that you know you wouldn't say that gig cx is going to completely eliminate the need for any business process outsourcing or, you know it, it doesn't really make sense that that that, that would be the, the long I mean, maybe you'll tell mm. me that in your long term <laughs> you know, I, I can't quite see it working like that i think it much more it is complementary it's disruptive in terms of it's a new working model but it's complementary to the rest of the industry right and then the 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 way you know that it's there's relatively low barriers to entry for people. You know, you don't need to have a you don't need to have a bike or a car. You just are at home and you log in. So the uh, the it, it less likely to suffer from some of those kind of supply constraints or some of the you know the, the cost pressures that are affecting um, the rest of those industries. So I think so. I, I mean, I, I kind of put that, that that sort of changed because potentially there are some challenges there, but I think actually gig CX in particular is reasonably well, you know, well positioned to, to overcome those. I think what's happened, you know, my my second answer then is more thinking about it from a customer perspective. What, what I think we're seeing is much more integration of gig models into a, a, a sort of overall service offering. So I think, you know, where historically I saw gig being used in two ways when it originally came out. One Mm. is like as a very discreet channel, like, if you need help with this thing, here's our gig service over here. And, you know, they speak to some people. You know, that almost evolved from user forums and those those sorts of things. Right. But it's a very, you know, discrete channel separate to the rest of customer service. So it's either like that or being used as a kind of overflow channel. So I, for example, have seen in insurance, for example. So if, the you know, there's bad weather mm. and insurance claims have, have gone through the roof, you kind of switch to the to the to the flexible gig workers to, to, to cover that but, but both of those are a little bit removed from the kind of core operations whereas i've seen what would yeah definitely within the last year is more of a um a push towards that that being integrated so a customer will come in through a single entry point so that might be through through an app through a chat mm-hmm. interface or or through an ivr and then have the opportunity depending on their contact reason, depending on the urgency of it, the level of special specialism needed, what it is that they need, whether any sort of personal information is required in order to answer the question, dynamically being routed to either a, a gig worker or a some a permanent worker in a contact center. And that, you know, potentially being completely invisible to that to that customer. But the point is they're just getting the right service at, at the right, right time
0: when they need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and um from the i mean as you t- i think you've touched on a couple of points already which is um references some of the pressures today but what i mean without without putting words in your mouth what, what do you think are the biggest reasons that because we're seeing let me you know, let me set this one up properly so we're seeing you know we as a you know provider of this service typically engage with an organization and once we've established what um questions can be answered by a gig-based crowd because some are not you no, know, not all of them are suitable right mm-hmm. um, and some of them might require deeper systems access than we can start with and once we've figured out you know what those contacts are how we're going to route them or for anyone listening in the us how we're going to route them um to the crowd and then we've established what the crowd size is then you know then we've got a you know we've got a working solution and then we'll then we set about um identifying and onboarding the crowd now now, what that means is we, you know, invitations are sent out or awareness programs are created so that customers go get the opportunity of seeing, oh, I, I'm already a customer of XYZ brand, and now I'm being offered the opportunity to become a, a gig-based expert or brand ambassador as we interchange. Uh, so we, we receive, when we send these invitations out, we, we are seeing now more than ever, which is a phrase that always grates against me when i say these things but now more than ever we we uh we are seeing a huge uptick in those expressing interest to want to work in this way and i it is black and white difference from when we started 6 years ago to i mean even anecdotally one of the customers that we had um we were supposed to uh we, we needed to onboard about another 30 to 50 experts to handle particular um new contact types that we, we, we were going to route through to the crowd and um they, they were helping with the onboarding so they were sending out the emails to to their customers to say look you know hey do you want to join this program click here sort of thing and uh, they were supposed to only send it out to about 200 300 customers and they inadvertently sent it out to all of their customers and Um, hopefully my CTO isn't listening, but our website crashed. So we had effectively like a denial of service attack where everyone's like, go on, I want want to work it this way, I want to work this way. And it was just we got we got I mean, thankfully we've now changed some of the things. (laughs) It was not that but all that says Yeah. yeah, I mean, not only does that say you know, uh, that there is no shortage of people that want to work in this way, but we are seeing a dramatic increase across all industries, not just in customer Mm. service. So that's my big T up which is why do you think that we are seeing such a rise in more people uh, that want to pursue these sorts of opportunities?
1: Well, yeah, I think we have I I haven't so far in this discussion talked enough about employee experience. And I Mm. think that that question is a good good tee into that, you know, working in customer service. Depending on the industry you're working, in, can be a, a difficult job, and it mm. has got more difficult in the last few years. Mm. Customers are there's lots of examples of customers being less accepting of what of what's happening. People having to, or you know, whether they're now working from home or in a contact centre, there's there's you know a, a lot of pressures on that job, and I think we've all seen that during the during the last few years. People also had a bit of a change of. Thinking around what their individual priorities might be about right. what career means for them about you know what, what's important for life overall. We um uh we we did some research this year. We we sent a survey out to um uh about 500 people who worked mm. in contact center in, in, in industry uh, uh, globally. Um, about 300 of those were agents, and the rest were 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 people in leadership roles. Mm. And from the agents, what one of the things we asked them is you know why why would you, you know what would make you want to stay in your job and the the top three things were fast i mean i'm mean, gonna be frank the top one was salary as you might expect
0: mm.
1: but the second one was absolutely flexibility around scheduling and you know not wanting to be in a in a world where you are um where you you know you are you are beholden to a fixed schedule all the time mm. and then the third is being able being able to actually solve things for customers so you know not getting not having customers getting frustrated because you can't you can't solve things for them so you can see how you know add all those sorts of things up i don't you know gig working isn't right for everybody there's lots of people who work in a contact center and you know are comfortable coming in every day they know what they're doing mm. they like the social aspect of it and they're going to continue doing that but from that survey, we're saying a lot of people are after a lot more flexibility, but also you know the knowledge that they mo- the stuff that they're handling is 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 stuff that is kind of things that are within their in their control to to resolve. And I think a lot of those those uh, you know the, the gig programs often you know give uh, offer that a bit more. I think the other thing, I mean, so, sorry, just very quickly, like as I sort of hinted at in, in my last mm. comment, I think again where gig CX is a little different to some other gig jobs like delivery driving. Mm there's a much lower barrier to entry for, mm-hmm. for for doing it you don't have to have a bike or a car you can, you know you just need a mm-hmm. literally a, phone, a smartphone and, a, and, a, and an internet connection um, but also I think like therefore for the, it, it's true flexibility like if you're if you're working as a delivery driver you're not getting paid necessarily for a lot of the time that you might be spending getting to and from the you know the restaurant or where you know wherever you're going or the parcel depot mm.
0: with,
1: with the gigway you can with gig CX I think you're seeing a model where people can genuinely tap in and tap out and then, you know, make, build that into their life, which means that the times when they're not working, they, they are able to do other things, whether that's other jobs, whether that's looking after children or relatives or, or, you know, pursuing other interests in their lives. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've, um, <clears throat> we do a similar survey, as you know, cause it's all, it's all part of the report. And one of the things we're trying to find out is what sort of, um, who are, who are the people, you know, where do they live? What are they qualifications? What do they do? That sort of stuff. And what, one of the, the things you were mentioning there around, um, you know, people don't want to necessarily come in. Some like coming into a contact center, you know, we did it all those years ago and that was fine, but there was only one option. Then, whereas it, it, but what we're, what we're seeing now is not, not just a case of, um, people saying, well, I don't want to go into a contact center and work this way. We, we, because, the demographic of the crowds of experts that work through limitless on behalf of a number of brands fit into sort of five areas so stay-at-home parents is a is a massive one there's retirees students there's um professional gig workers as they like to call themselves doing a multitude of different different jobs yeah and then there is this other sort of Bit of a surprise one actually which is commuters so people that already got a job but they they in their downtime from whatever they're doing they're, they're you know they're doing this now i i was um remain forever curious and and i remember talking to one of the experts who was a stay-at-home parent and it wasn't that she wanted to be or wanted to be or wanted to work in a contact center she she told me it was that she felt like when she became a parent that was then her full-time job and that was it and then her ability to contribute in a world where she was used to contributing which is in the corporate world and that stuff it just diluted itself to being almost not even there over over the time so this gave her a means to be able to to contribute again and it made it 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 was more to do with the self-worth than it was actually the the monetary worth of the things that, that she was getting and these were these were her words and similarly with um, another another chap who he works who he worked on the on the uh, on the Microsoft account for us, but he um, was a was a retiree and and he was just he was like um I used to work a lot. I used to say you know, I used to look I used to work a lot on like the forums and the communities and things mm. like that, which is I mean it's it's fifty percent of what Gig CX is because when you really think about it. So everyone's come and there's a there's a question I'm going to. Eventually get to in a minute when I do my boring um, setup is um, the, the you know community allows a mechanism digitally for people with the product know-how to come on when they want to and provide help to people in a way that suits them and they don't want anything back from it and they get their personal gratification out of, of answering questions because they've got the knowledge mm. and that is. 50%, even probably more to do with GIGCX. You take all of that, you monetize it by saying, well, actually now we'll reward you for your time because that's the trade-off, which then means you can scale it and you can depend on it as a resource channel. So GIGCX isn't, isn't, um, in my humble opinion, a such an alien thing because everyone's used to being working in, you know, everyone's used to forums and communities you know. anyway. So this is just, you know, Kind of um you know adding adding on to all of that and, and i find all you know i find that aspect um yeah massively empowering especially for a workforce to you know they're, they're looking for different ways to work looking for different ways to contribute and you know that's the feedback that they give us which is you know which is lovely to hear and it, it helps them helps them yeah. give a give a purpose as well as it does helping them put you know put, put money in their pocket so um so in the report, you talk about um, how company leaders are seeing customer service as one of the best ways to drive brand engagement, loyalty, advocacy. Have we have we answered that? Is there anything more you wanted to sort of you know expand on within there as to why that's such an important role? Well, there's there's something I'd really
1: love to discuss with you, actually, which is like I I think we've talked a lot in this session about gig workers being sort of fan product fans mm. you know and finding people who are really engaged with the products i think in fact let me ask sorry if this is a cheeky question but like i'm keen to get your view on do you believe that every industry every, every company let, let's restrict it to b2c companies rather than yeah. B2C,
0: okay yeah
1: can yeah find fans for their for their products do you think that there, there are going to be people out there that um,
0: you know. but this is one of the you know the dangerous things when you because you, the answer you'd expect the answer for me to be yes 100% and all i can say honestly is in all of the organizations that i've worked with in this environment there has been absolutely no shortage there has been an, an in fact an abundance of those so right. I, I when i think about this i'm thinking that if you are a, if you're a big enough brand Uh, and you are are B to C, and depending on your business model, now there is a a difference here between the business model. And what I mean by that is you could be an organization that just sells um, a product on the shelf and that's it. Or you could be an organization that sells a product on the shelf with some form of ongoing relationship, be it a subscription or some form of add-on or things like that. And then you get those organizations which are purely subscription only now what what i see is that there is more brand loyalty in the in those that have a subscription and a products and subscription than there is those that are sort of one-time purchases but even even that we've seen more pressure because loyalty has become more liquid largely due to the fact that when there's competition in those areas you see Organisations going well. There's no contract. Cancel whenever you want. So therefore, you you can. Mm-hmm. It's very easy for you to move around. But but what the reason why they do that is because there is still a um, a massive consortium of core customers that don't leave, and they don't leave because they like the brand and they don't want to go anywhere because it's frankly effort. Even as much as you make it painless to move, and they're comfortable with you know recognizing that organisation. So I think it does depend on the on the business model as to is the mm. percentage shift in that but the answer is 100 yes in terms of any big b2c operation we, we have we have only ever seen an, an over subscription or application for those wanting to represent and be a brand ambassador so yeah i hope to answer that question so really, really yeah. interesting to know because i think i mean what
1: i was thinking as we were, were talking through that is i think you have to maybe in some industry you have to get quite creative about what you what you might define as being a a, a fan so like you know if you're selling games consoles it's probably quite easy to find people that you know gamers like who are re- really really into the product and, and and can really do it i guess if you're selling i don't know if you're selling margarine like it's you know a sexy <laughs> product, but there, i'm sure that there are people who really you know you know People who are great chefs great cooks who really know you know would, would, would talk about it or if you're selling you know i don't know financial services products like i'm not sure there are that many people who are like fans of their banks but there are certainly people who would take pleasure in helping other people sort out their finances so i suppose it's, it doesn't have to be like a a brand engaged, you know just a brand yeah. it could just be an engagement with, with that product category in general or you know the you know, like-minded customers or, or those sorts of things
0: but when you say so the other i guess there's a scale of a fan right which is do you want somebody to be yeah you know, out there on their own recommending you like the ultimate NPS person you know somebody who's just constantly on their soapbox or, or is it that you know a fan doesn't necessarily mean that they are there going yeah I'd, you know i'd buy buy from here buy from here buy from here it's, it's someone that can just relate it's just hmm. I've i've decided to purchase this product so i know I know the thing you've got. I know how to help you. That mm-hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be the number one fan of that brand. It's about relatability. And, and is that, you know, going back to the earlier point around empathy, it's to somebody that you can, somebody can say, well, yeah, I have chosen this. You know, the, the reason why they're invited to join a program like, like, like what we, we we provide is because they've already, they're already on the customer list. They're already, you know, they've already purchased that product. So they've already, you're not trying to convince them to be, to buy our products. And then whilst you're here, can you also do this? It's like, well, you've already, on your own free will, you've decided to buy this thing, Great. Right? Well, would you also like to be join our program to be a brand ambassador, which means you can help answer other, yeah. and, and on, you know, we, we, whenever we do this, this is this is always the, the funny conversation we have with organizations, because maybe they may have a, are not too dissimilar views to where where the question came from from you which is thinking are there enough of them out there mm. and and you know if it really it always it amuses me more than anything else when we go through these processes that there is to you know there's such a plethora of people that you know that want to work in it want to work in that way and are able to work in that way but not in a not in a well if we didn't have them then we'd have to find them another contact center it's there are people here that we wouldn't have been able to get to. It's not like we 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 are we are saying, well, that person who's a retiree, well, you know, sure that's a bad example because they weren't working anyway. But you know, a student or a stay-at-home parent and stuff. And if they weren't operate, if they weren't able to op- operate in this way, they would go into a contact centre and still work for us anyway. That they, they they can't because they 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 want to work in their own in their own free will. So you know, it's it's about access to the in the way in which they want to be able to, to you know to work as well and it, actually there was one there was one question i was going to ask you which is do you do you think there is a st- um a stigma associated with say if i said to you i'm a gig cx worker do you, or, or i work in the gig economy do you think there is a stigma associated with that that's a that's a great question
1: chris <laughs> and i think my my immediate having not really thought about that but my my, <laughs> my immediate response would be what you call things is always important that's something i've learned throughout my well perhaps a little late in my career actually more when being, being a consultant but you know the, how you name things really affects how people think about them so i think there, there is a possibility actually that yeah if, if there are potentially some some stigmas around being called a you know a gig worker or a, you know it, mm-hmm. it, it has connotations maybe of being you know it, it's it's low skill it's it, it's uh, it, it's not work that you know people are gonna make a big career out of I guess Um but conversely, if I said yeah, I was self-employed. You're tell me what, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if you're a, yeah. a product expert or a, yeah. you know, a, a customer engagement expert or those sorts of things. And I know, you know, that might sound a little bit superficial, but I think actually it does. It changes the way that those roles are thought of, both in terms of for that person individually and their, mm-hmm. their sense of, you know, the, the worth of that job, but also how they're perceived by the company. Hey, here's our team of product experts, or he, you know, here's our team of customer engagement fanatics, whatever you want to call it. Um, it 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 changes how that team gets used because then you can start to think about well, it, this isn't just about providing you know reactive customer service or reactive sales to customers when when they need it. You know, we could be deploying these people to help us. Develop better products, or you know, really start to understand our customers better and, and what motivates them, and mm. you, you know, you, you use that that kind of insight. So, I think, yeah, I, it's maybe superficial, but I do think what you what you call the role is is pretty
0: important. Yeah. So, uh, Nick, that's just great. One other um, question I had for you, which was, if. Um, so, like you was like you were saying there that you know the role they can play and, and, and the benefit they can bring. So let's say let's say for example we there is um, especially with your experience of consulting organisations and helping organisations sort of figure some of the stuff out. You know you you I mean you are talking to people you know, big companies about people process technology everything, and you've got um, somebody who's interested in in looking at you know this this alternative model looking at GigCX how do you, how would you recommend they go about getting buying from their other company leaders
1: well as with a lot of uh changing customer service it's about being able to tell the story of the total value that is that is being created or, mm. or yeah in in a, in a positive way i think often you know, when I talk to customer service leaders who, you know, who are all, you know, extremely dedicated to their job, very experienced, they know what they're doing, and they work extremely hard usually, work very long hours often, you know, leading customer services. And and that doesn't always leave time for thinking about big, bigger picture value. So often the conversation is very focused around cost not to say that cost isn't important but but it's not it's certainly not the only thing to talk about and often it's not the leading thing to talk about especially when you're trying to influence you know executives in an organization or people mm. across different functions sales and marketing etc so thinking about what is the what is the value creation opportunity within customer service and that could be you know that can be like explicit value creation like we're going to get our customer service people to sell more stuff but often mm. it, it's a bit more implicit than that. It's that we're going to create much better brand affinity because when people speak to our associates, you know, the people that work work for us or represent us, they get a great feeling about this company. They know that this company is actually on top of things. They can solve problems for me. They make my life easy. And that's that's mm. the sort of stuff that what's interesting is, you know, you go and talk to your chief marketing officer and they will say, you know, she'll, she'll say that, I, 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 would, I, we spend millions on advertising to try and convince customers that that's what we're like, and it's like we don't. If we spent some of that money on, on, on our operations for our customer service to show what, to actually show in real life what that that is what we are like, you know that 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 can be a really powerful, mm. powerful, meaningful message. So I think Joey, the, the 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 short answer, and obviously the longer answer is. Give me a call <laughs> and, <laughs> and we can have a workshop or something. But, but, you know, the short answer is think about the, uh, yeah, the, the, the bigger value creation opportunity of customer service interactions, and how amongst all sorts of levers that you could, pull, gig being one of those, part of that portfolio could be, can be part of that picture.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, no surprise. I'm a big supporter of that. And, and um, I was, in, in fact, the last podcast, I was talking about this, generational shift that gig cx provides which is in my simple brain i use analogies a lot the difference between the last 30 40 years we've been driving a petrol car it's been costing csat it's been tinkering with the en- engine and then gig cx is effectively the electric car because it's not built upon the same laws of physics you don't have to schedule you don't have to worry about this and your paper outcome and blah blah and i think it's fantastic but the 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 thing that i think you know it, should hopefully inspire any cx leaders to want to do this is the the total value creation like you mentioned that this can bring because for me it answers the statement that i see in organizations everywhere and and it is a version of words in this sort of order which is we put customers at the heart of everything that we do it's on the above the you know it's in the boardroom it's on the brochure, but you put blockers in the way you make stuff hard for them and that stuff. Now for me, what better way of putting customers at the heart of what you do than by inviting a whole bunch of them to be your frontline customer service team to help other customers. And that's going to pay you dividends in a number of ways. Not only does it feel very honest and trustworthy, but you're also going to create a different loyalty base because you're the experts that are making up to be your, um, sorry, the customers that are going to be, you know, being your your experts, they're, they're less likely to leave as well because, no, not only have I bought this product to my own free world, it's also now a revenue source for me, you know, because I'm now helping other people along their journey. So, and that multiplies and that halo effect that you have, you know, it, it is, the, you know, are things that can affect, thing, can affect some of the metrics that are looked at much further down the line more so than figuring out how you can automate another inquiry or you know push someone on to self-serve that sort of thing that's your petrol engine that's what everyone's been trying to do for for donkeys whereas this is about people can help people in a natural way and everyone gets rewarded for it there we go that's me on my soapbox again um now we've we've run out of time as per usual um so we might have to do a part two when we get a a bit further into this so but look, thank you for your time. Your insight is always invaluable. And like you mentioned, anybody that really wants to figure out how this can work in their, in their business or their operation, then Nick and BCG are a fantastic business to, to look at this holistically from every aspect and, and bring it together. Um, and for those listening, stay tuned. We um, All the information that we've covered off, with more um, will be is all embedded within our annual gig report uh, with Nick, one of our major contributors to. And uh, if you want to know any more, then just head over to our website, limitlesstech.com, and uh, we'll be there to help you. But stay tuned and uh, we'll be on next, ready to dive further into CX. Thank you for your time. Cheers, Nick.
1: Thanks, Chris, and thanks everyone for, for listening.